But as we continue in this series, building momentum, fasting and praying and believing God to not just show up, to not just move, but believing God to have his, you don't fast to force God's hand. We fast to find his will. We fast to figure out where he is and what he's doing and even more importantly, what he wants to do. So, hey, I want to give you a, a quick just shout out next Wednesday, next Sunday morning, 6.30, beginning 6.30. We're going to start our week of prayer. We've been fasting on the way up to this week. We'll start next Sunday, our week of prayer, every morning at 6.30 a.m. For you night, night owls, sorry about that, but we're doing 6.30 a.m. I don't want to be here either, but I will be a.m. to pray, and then we'll pray up until 7.30. So, Come in and, and pray with us if you can throughout that week. We'll do that all the way through the next Sunday morning where we will launch and start our Momentum Conference. We will have three services that morning, a service that Sunday night, Monday night. We'll take a break, a men's dinner only on Tuesday. Sorry, ladies, you do your own thing in May. We'll do a men's dinner Tuesday night, and we'll wrap it up that Wednesday night with an all-in kind of session. And just for those who may be wondering... Um, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. Um, I, I love to honor authorities. I believe in honor, um, but I've, I, and I have, and we and we will do our best to honor authorities. But if you're wanting to know, no matter what happens or what's being said in Jesus' name, unless I just have to, I can tell you, I'm not closing the doors of this church again. I really don't care. I, I mean, unless there's like a look, it's going to have to be a major, a major, major like infiltration. Of, of something seriously going on like right here in the church. And if, that, if closing the doors is what's best for you and best for this church, then I'm not afraid to do that. But uh, if you want to know whether we're having the Momentum Conference, uh, you, we're having the Momentum Conference. I don't care if, if 10 people show up, we're going to have momentum. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and if we need to move into seven services a, a weekend to spread everybody out and have people registering for services. And, and if we wear masks, people have been wearing them for years to church anyway so we'll just put one on physically we'll roll with it I said that y'all do that every time y'all are so easy to preach to I might hurt myself this morning all right hey let's let's move on hey Dustin come up here uh this this illustration went so well last week we just wanted to to reiterate um we don't like for something to just be good for a moment we like for people to remember it and so last Sunday like right at right at the last minute I just had this idea and then I, I threw it into the message. And then I even said something in the third service I didn't say in the other two. So if you've already seen this, just tell your neighbor, watch this. It's going to be fun. Um, I'm going to let Dustin climb this week because that ladder's bigger. And so uh, I was talking to... Dustin is one of our Bible college students. Um, isn't that cool? Yeah, no. We have a, a fully accredited access to a Bible college right here on campus. If you or your loved ones or friends or family or, or believe they have a, a, a vocational call, full-time call to ministry, then uh, you can see Pastor Dylan because he knows more about it than me, and that's all I'm going to say about that. But Dustin is one of those students. When Dustin was 12 years old, Dustin, according to his testimony, he, he received salvation. So Dustin, go ahead and take that first, first step. So Dustin, by the way, he's pretty agile. Um, he, he's also a black belt in American karate, and so he's, he's agile, he's, he's athletic. If you go down a dark alley, you want to take Dustin with you. It's just one of those, like, I feel better when Dustin's in the room, like on the stage around. Um, and so Dustin, he has that ability. But Dustin, I want you to just show how athletic you are. I just want you to jump. Go ahead, just jump. Look at that. Isn't that impressive? I mean, he just jumped. I mean, that's an athlete right there. He can jump. From one step to another. See, what, what Dustin just did, that wasn't salvation. That was just a step towards salvation. Salvation is not just a, a, a decision. Salvation is a, a distance. It's, it's actually the distance between your decision and your ultimate destination. That's why Paul said, I work out my salvation daily. Now, God is good enough that it can take place in a moment, but it's really found in the mileage, okay? So it's not just taking the first step. Yeah, the first step is important, out of darkness into light, but you've got to continue to step and grow from there. So later, Justin's begin to, beginning to, to understand this, so he takes that step of salvation again, and Dustin decides to sign up for a mission trip, and Dustin goes on the mission trip. 
with us, we get out there and we start making Dustin do all kinds of things that he doesn't want to do, which is what God does to us. And so we're just all going to do it together. Um, and Dustin takes another step. Go ahead and, and step on up there. He starts just opening up to God. He didn't just like go to the services like he unfolded his arms, like he went from like this because it's hard for God to minister to people who look like this. But he just started, he started, you know, opening up a little bit. You know, he just carried a small TV at first and then he scored a touchdown. You know, it's just wherever you are in your journey, Dustin began to take steps. And then, and then Dustin, um, he went from right here to on the floor. And that was the Holy Spirit. And nobody touched him. He just, he just went down there and, God, and, and he sought the Lord. And God began to reveal himself. Go ahead and take another step. And then Dustin began to do ministry on that mission trip. Like, which is what Christians are called to do. You're not supposed to just receive salvation. You're supposed to start showing salvation and helping other people receive. So he starts praying with people out loud. Go ahead. He starts ministering to children and serving. I think you knocked on some doors and shared your faith. Go ahead. If you didn't do that, just pretend like you did and take a step anyway. I was there. I, I know we went out and did some of this street evangelism. He began to pray out loud, pray for people. And then when we came back, he began to share his faith, like out loud in front of everybody else. And he would make these videos on Facebook Live. And then he decided, you know what, maybe God's calling me. Maybe God can use me for more. I'm going to start serving at the church. And then I'm going to run some cameras and help with sound. And, and I'm going to be here as often as possible. Like he's one of the first ones here and the last ones to leave. And now he's a Bible college. College student, go ahead, just go through the ceiling. We want to buy a new one, anyways. And now he's up, now he's growing in his path. He is closer to his savior than his former sin. Hang on, Dustin, jump. Just come back. Jump. Why will he not jump? Because the closer that you get to your Savior, the more like, less likely you are to jump back into your sin. This is a process that he is in. And he doesn't want to go back. Okay, you can climb down. Forget the spiritual. He literally needs to get down so I can keep going. Hey, give Dustin a hand real quick. Let's... My ladder was more shaky, just letting you know. And I preached from it, just saying. Turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 12. Jeremiah chapter 12, it took me, took me two years to preach this sermon. I heard it two years ago um, at a conference, and, and I took notes, and I listened, and, and I just let it minister to me, and, and it's kind of been simmering. And then I saw that somebody else preached it. I saw it on YouTube, uh, and somebody else preached it, and I, so I watched that. It was over an hour. I've watched it three or four times. And then I saw somebody did a series on it, so I watched the series. Somebody else, by the way. There's three different people. Somebody did a series on it. And then I looked down underneath the, the recommended videos, and another person preached a sermon on it. I thought, man, there's been enough people plagiarized this at this point. I'm preaching this message. So you can go watch and look and, and where, wherever it is. I want to preach a message today called Run With Horses. Run with horses. Like I'm prophesying that into you. Um, that, that we wouldn't just stand and that we wouldn't just walk. But that we would run with horses. Um, the, the year before Megan and I got married... Um, it, was a, it was a weird year, man. It was, it was tough. I was, I was in between like... Man, do I want to be the next outfielder for the Houston Astros... Or, or a, 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 should I go back and play some more, or, or, or should, should I go and, and, and get my law degree and, and do what everybody told me I should do uh, and, and what I always thought I would do? Should I go to grad school? Should I go to Bible college? Or should I be the next Billy Graham? I just didn't know what to do. And so there was a lot of just, duh, and, and I, didn't, I didn't know what to choose. And, and I was engaged, which is, is not a great place to be. Um, never mind. It's just not a great... It's not a great place to be when you, don't, when you don't know what you're supposed to do. I was living at Pastor Weston's dad's house in his uh, garage apartment, okay? And I was getting married. So she was being really faithful. Like, she had to have known that she heard from God because I was living in a garage. And like, hey, girl, you want to marry this? Yeah, come on, let's do this together. <laughs> let's live in a garage apartment at my friend's house. It's going to be great. And so, so, so she was trying to finish her degree, 
And, and we were going to live off of her income. She was getting a degree in early childhood development. She was teaching at Kerr Elementary. The principal loved her. But in order to graduate from LSU Shreveport, specifically in that degree curriculum, she had to pass this praxis test. Now, my wife is, is great and incredible in a lot of different ways, but test taking is not one of the things that she wakes up and looks forward to. Okay, It's just not... That is not where she looks forward to excelling, and that test kept getting the best of her. And I asked permission to share this story, by the way. Ain't that stupid? So she said I could. Okay. I mean, I am, but I just, the Holy Spirit told me to ask her. So, um, so she, and she kept missing the test by like one point, literally one point, like one question. If we just, one more fraction. I mean, who puts lines and letters in math? What is going on right now? It's just one one question, and she did this like twice, and so I'm like, well, let's pray. You know, I probably should have been the first response, but let's, let's pray. So we pray, and, and man, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking God on her behalf because, you know, I wanted to live off of her income. <laughs> like, that was my plan, okay? So I need you to pass this test. And so, again, she, she didn't pass by one point, and, and no matter how much the principal at Kerr Elementary loved her um, and wanted to have her, if she didn't pass this then she didn't get her degree. And if she didn't get her degree, then she couldn't stay. And, uh, and I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And so here we are, like we're serving Jesus. We really were at this point. We're, we're getting ready to get married because the Bible says it's better to be wed than burned with passion. Come on, somebody. So we're getting ready to get married. And, 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 and I don't know what to do. And I'm looking around, and I'm watching. It just seems like all my other friends that graduated, like, they knew what they were supposed to do. Like, they just went right into it. They've already bought a house. You know, they got, like, their new Hummer. I mean, a Hummer 2 or all, the, all these different things. And, and, and they're, they're ready, and they're rolling. And it seems like everybody that I knew was getting what I wanted, and I didn't even know what that was. Jeremiah, in chapter 12 is standing before a people who feel the same way. They're watching everybody around them get what they want. And it seems like God is not listening to them. So the people send the prophet to speak to them on their behalf, to speak to God on their behalf, which is, by the way, not what a prophet is supposed to do. A prophet doesn't go to God on behalf of the people. He goes to the people on behalf of God. And when you switch your roles, you confuse people and you start saying the wrong things. So this is where we pick up Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 1. Jeremiah's assignment on behalf of these people. He says in verse 1, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. Um, yet let me talk with you about your judgments. Okay, just leave that there. Here's what Jeremiah was saying. Lord, you have been so faithful in your decision making. But let me talk to you about some of your most recent choices. You've been so good in the past, but it seems like in the present, you are missing your mark. And so I have come to you to tell you how amazing you have always been. And yet at this moment, it seems like I'm forsaken. I'm forgotten. Like the people who were living for God were watching people who were not live, living for God receive the freedom that they thought they deserved. Like they were watching all their single friends bar hopping and sleeping around getting married. They were watching all of everything like they were watching all of the people that never tithed or gave a dime to the church buy anything and everything that they wanted whenever they wanted it. Like they got a new vehicle and mine won't even crank for me to go to your house, Lord. I just want to show up in my hoopty. I don't even care. I just want to be there, Jesus. They were sitting in church watching other people post all of the 10 points that can be killed on one single Sunday. They were watching the world get what it wanted and wondering why I'm living holy and nothing's happening. Let me talk to you about your most recent decisions. They asked this question, 
Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy? Go ahead and send it to the next verse. Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? Why are all the ungodly living the highlight reel? Why are all the reprobates finding their soulmates? Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about when you're waiting with Jesus. And it seems like they can find anybody. Well, it's easy to find a reprobate. <laughs> it's, they're everywhere. Come on. It's, it's hard to find somebody holy. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm just, I want to, but I, I got to go for time. Okay. What they're saying is it seems like the wretched are living the good life, killing all the ducks. You know what I'm saying? Like while I'm sitting here trying to win people into heaven, they're sending animals to hell left and right. I don't know if animals go to hell or not, except for cats. Cats go to hell. There's no question. (laughs) From hell they came, from hell they shall return. Okay, so (laughs) you're in a good mood. Let's have fun today. See, There's some problems in their theology here, and this is the first one. They thought that living for Jesus was going to make them happy. But they didn't know that Jesus isn't worried about your happiness. He's interested in your holiness. And so they're sitting around watching the sinners celebrate while the saints seem sad. Like... They look like they've been sucking on some of the same lemons that you look like you've been sucking on when you walk in here on Sunday morning. (laughs) A song and a half later, you kind of smirk. Why would they want to be in the same church? Why would they want to be a part of the folded arms crowd? Like they can go stand around and look ugly at people on 2nd Street. Why do they have to come to the sanctuary? They can be left out anywhere else. Why would they come here to be left out? They can be discarded and watch selfish people pursue their own selfish promotion anywhere. Why would they come to the house of God to be able to do that? Watch what Jeremiah says in verse 2. You have planted them. Yes, they have taken root. Jeremiah is saying, you're letting them grow. You're watching the wicked get what they want. Are you deaf? Every good gift comes from above. Do you not see what's happening? Why have you forsaken me while you're fulfilling them? I'm living for you. You're letting them grow. You're letting them bear fruit. Then Jeremiah says this, you are near in their mouth, but far from their mind. They honor you with their mouth, but their heart, their mind, their knowing and their spirit, man, it's far from you. They look good on Sunday. Sometimes. (laughs) Come on, you know what I'm talking about. God is saying, hey, you, you hear the people's words But do you not see their weekend social media post? Come on, they're carrying booze on Friday and Bibles on Sunday, acting holy and living like hell. Let's just go there. (laughs) My bad. Stepped in something. Smells funny, too. It's the wrong aroma, God. Do you not see what's happening? Do you, you... You're letting them live with lip service. They're lip service saints. All they give you is lip service. Listen, I'm just 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 go there. I, I don't believe that in these last days, God is going to just allow lip service saints. 
I believe he's going to promote some small group service saints, some freedom group service saints, some consistent giving service saints, some serving service saints. God is saying at this time in our culture, I've had enough of your lip service. I'm ready to just see some serving saints rise up and have their way in the house of God. We've done this complacent thing long enough. We've done this comfortable thing long enough. I'm going to stay right here and just hang on. We'll either keep climbing or stop saying his name. Because you're the only Jesus that some people see. And when you look more like you than you do him, you're sending the wrong message. Why are you letting them live this way and get away with these things? Watch this, verse 3. But you, O oh Lord, you know me. Listen, Jeremiah. He done got holy. He started amening with the choir. Pointing his finger at all the wicked people. All the sinners. All the wretched. The forsaken. Look how fallen they are, God. But you know me. You know me. Watch what he says. You have seen me. You know I gave. You, you, you know what I sacrificed. You, you know what I surrendered. You know how much more hunting I could be doing. Come on, somebody. I like to eat too, Jesus. Calling me to, to a fast. You wasn't even you as that preacher calling me to a fast. I ain't feeling guilty. You know me, God. I've served. I've been there. I did that. You saw me. Other people saw me. Where are you? You've seen me and you've tested my heart towards you. Listen to Jeremiah. And I've been found faithful. Listen to me. Behind every accusation is arrogance. And Jesus is not the accuser of the brethren. He's the advocate of the brethren. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And when you walk in accusation, what you're really walking in is arrogance. And arrogance, by the way, is the actual sin that caused Lucifer and a third of heaven to fall. So are we seeing God's judgment come because of sin? Or are we seeing God allow the church to be sifted so that the arrogance can get out? You know me. You've seen me. Don't you remember what I've done? Don't you see all the ministry that I've made happen? Don't you know all the dollars I've already given? Don't you know what I gave up so I could go with you? Watch this. Then it, then this is an unusual request. Watch Jeremiah's next prayer. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. Jeremiah is asking God to kill people, just for the record. Kill them. Kill them. I told you last week when you pray, you can pray. With structure, you can pray in the spirit, you can pray spontaneously, and then you can pray silently. And last week I said sometimes it's good to pray with scripture, like begin to pray the Psalms. So I found the Psalms that I believe David began to pray because he read this passage from Jeremiah. Watch this, Psalm chapter 3 verse 7. It says, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, strike my enemies on the cheek. Break the teeth of the wicked. Translation, slap them, Jesus. <laughs> Knock their teeth out. Break them down. Come on, don't you act like you ain't never prayed for God to take somebody out. <laughs> Lord, either you slap them or I'm going to lay hands and something's going to get delivered in Jesus' name. This was the prayer. Look, the New Living Translation. Slap all my enemies in the face. Get them, Lord. You know what they're doing. Wretched, unrighteous, wicked, ugly people. You slap them or I'm about to. Or I'll find me another crazy Cajun cooyon and go do it for me. Come on. I know who to call. You'll never know I called them. 
How many of you got some people you'd love to slap? Come on, don't take the mask off. Let me see your face this morning. I held back slap seven times last week. (laughs) Trying to act all holy. Like you ain't got problems. See, the problem wasn't in what they were asking. The problem was in what they were thinking. See, they they thought that for some reason, their God had given their blessing to somebody else. As if he was going to run out and he only had so much. They thought that their God had given his favor to a lack of faith. When they've been fasting and praying and believing God for the fulfillment of faith. They thought... That God's delivery system landed at the wrong door. And that God had made a bad choice. And blessed their neighbor over them. Lord, I think maybe you just missed it by like a house or two. Maybe I was standing too close and it just landed on them. But I need to remind you today that you should never envy What God does for somebody else. Because what God does for somebody else and or what God allows to be done for and or to somebody else may not be what's best for you. Sometimes my children want things that are not what is best for them. So as their daddy who knows a little bit better than them and the Bible says no eye has seen, no ear has heard what the Lord has in store for those who love him, if that is you then when God shows up and starts blessing your neighbor you need to start celebrating because now you know that God is in your neighborhood and something is about to happen maybe he's blessing your neighbor and your co-worker and your spouse and your friends because he's using you as the light in the darkness and if you weren't there then they wouldn't be getting the blessing but because God put you there He trusts you to be able to use you and you don't need deliverance because you are the deliverance that God decided to put in their place. So instead of getting mad because they're celebrating, start praising him because you might be next. But whether I'm next or not, I need to learn to start praising God now. I don't have to be first. In fact, the last time I checked the New Testament, there was no blessing in being first. Come on, so when you're down to your last, you're about to see God's first. When you got nothing left, you're about to see who he is. Verse 4 says, how long will the land mourn and the herbs of every field wither? God, how much longer are you going to turn your head away from what's happening? That's what Jeremiah's asking. The beast and the birds are consumed, watch this, for the wickedness of those who dwell there. Jeremiah thinks that God's wrath is falling on people because of their wickedness. He thinks that because the wicked people live there, he's suffering because of what somebody else is doing. And again, an error in theology. The problem in his thinking. Because they said... He will not see our final end. You crazy Christians. He's not coming. We've got to take care of this world. This life and this world is all we have. You bunch of highfalutin holy rollers. You've lost your minds. Been saying the same thing for 2,000 years and haven't seen it yet. He's not coming. Jeremiah and the people of Israel thought the same thing that Christians in America think. 
They think that God should judge a nation because of the sin of sinners. Because they have forgotten, by the way, in our arrogance that without Jesus, we can't help but sin. If it weren't for your Savior, you too would still be in your sin. If it weren't for the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't even know that you were sinning. You would think that wrong is right and right is wrong. And you would be just as confused as those that don't know Christ. God doesn't just. Now, he will pour out his wrath. I've read the end. I've seen it happen. I saw it in the Old Testament. There are times where the hand of God comes upon a wicked people in a wicked way because he's God and he will do that. But right now, hear me, we are in what most scholars and theologians refer to as the dispensation of grace. That means that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And we're not waiting and praying and asking for the wrath. We're walking and operating and pleading in the grace because God wants to use us in this last days because we know that God doesn't allow Christians to remain comfortable and complacent when they're actually called to step outside of their comfort zone. God judges a nation because of the sin of the so-called saints, not because of the wickedness of wicked people. He allows things to happen. So while we're praying that God would slap our enemies and pour out his punishment upon them, God is hoping that we, the church of Jesus Christ, in what is mostly considered these last days, would wake up and begin to walk in what he's called us to walk in. It's that the wrath of God is going to come in apostasy. That means the wrath of God is not coming upon the sin of sinners. The wrath of God is coming upon the righteous who aren't living right. The wrath of God is coming upon the so-called saints that are sleeping around just like everybody else. The wrath of God is coming upon the so-called saints that are getting drunk and partying just like everybody else. The wrath of God is coming upon those who are in just as much bondage as they were before they ever believed because they took a step, but they keep teeter-tottering back and forth. And God is not a trampoline for you to go up and come back down. He is a ladder for you to climb on and keep climbing. So stop slipping away and drifting away and falling away because we are in a place where God's wrath is not going to allow us to remain and call it Christianity. He wants more than what we've been giving. That is why he is allowing what he is allowing. Here's the good news. No matter where you've been, what you've done, or what you didn't do, Jesus can clean that up. Now, I hope you're cool because I am sweating something fierce. <laughs> this is the last verse. I got four more preaching minutes. Those are like football minutes. I get to call as many timeouts as I want to. <laughs> There's a shift in this next verse. A transition in verse 5. The Lord answers Jeremiah. I believe this is what the Lord is doing as a father. He's letting the Christians complain. Which is, by the way, as great of a sin as any other apostasy. Complaining Christians are not Christians. Not according to 1 Corinthians 10. Complaining Christians are confused. Especially when we're complaining about natural things. We're complaining about temporary things. Think about the stuff that upsets you. Why do we all want to get to heaven? So that we can stop worrying about earthly things. Those are natural, temporary things. And God looks down at Jeremiah after his litany of misconception and ask the question that every father would ask once their child, son or daughter, gets finished complaining. Are you done? 
anything else, I want you to go ahead and get it out now because I'm about to talk. I'm about to say something and I don't want to start speaking and you start interrupting me. I want to make sure that you get it all out. And then God says this to Jeremiah. If you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how are you going to contend with horses? If you are being weary by the physical, the temporary, the earthly, the natural, then how are you going to run in the super, extra, anointed? The interesting thing that I heard on more than one occasion about this context was that the people that Jeremiah was speaking to would have understood that in those days the armies would line up and they would line up in phases and the first phase attack the general would send in the footmen this word footmen could also be translated assassins so the general would send in the footmen and he would send in a lot of them the physical soldiers on foot they came in and here was their purpose their purpose was to thin out the church I mean the army you know like a gumbo bowl just let it boil for a second I'm hungry y'all I've made a lot of references to food today they send in the footmen footmen after footmen after footmen after footmen trial after trial person after person problem after problem and it would thin out the army that was supposed to be fighting and a lot of them would leave and a lot of them would pass God is saying to Jeremiah these are people problems you don't have heavenly problems you've got earthly problems and if, if politics is wearying you If social injustice is wearying you, if the response to policies and politics is wearying you, if finances are wearying you, I know this is tough. God's smacking me around too, I'm just sharing it. <laughs> if bills and overdrafts, if your friend that stabbed you in the back if your husband's not acting the way he's supposed to be, if your wife's not doing what she's supposed these are foot soldiers. Politics are foot soldiers. Policies are foot soldiers. Masks are foot soldiers. Mandates are foot soldiers. Closures are foot soldiers. Bills are foot, finances are, sickness are foot soldiers. If you can't handle a virus created by man in a lab, how are you going to handle a plague sent by God? Foot soldiers. What God is saying is what you are currently becoming weary over is actually light affliction compared to what's coming. What's causing you to leave and doubt God is light compared to what's coming. Well, praise God for that. Thank you for this encouraging message, Pastor. Let's bow our head, close our eyes, and get out of here today. What's the win? The win is if you're facing person after person, problem after problem, trial after trial, persecution, anger, ugly, if you're facing issue after issue, if it seems like you just can't get ahead 
Because every time you take a step, there's another foot soldier standing in the way. The good news is, if you're seeing the foot soldiers, you're headed in the right direction. Because if you weren't doing what God was calling you to, then the devil would leave you alone. And he would let you have whatever you want as long as you didn't walk with Jesus. But because you're walking with Jesus, he keeps sending foot soldiers to try to cause you to stumble because he knows that you were created to walk but you are called to run and when you begin to learn and overcome the weariness of the temporary then you can begin to walk in the anointing of the eternal well pastor I'm not qualified I'm not educated I can't lead a small group you don't know my finances tithing doesn't fit You don't know my schedule. I can't serve the way that I want to. You don't know my background. God can't use me the way that he uses you. I didn't know what I was going to do 13 years ago. The Bible is full of people that don't know what to do in the natural, but follow who God is in the supernatural. Take Elijah, for example. Elijah can't run. He's elderly. And he challenges a king who's supposed to be leading the people to to Jesus. The king who's supposed to be leading the way of the righteous. His name is Ahab. He had a wife named Jezebel. And they, they and the entire nation that God's people are stuck in, sound familiar, are turning to the things that God wanted to deliver them from. Like when the pilgrims came over here to be able to praise God the way that they wanted to, and now 200 years later, we don't think we should even be praising God. Same thing happening, and Elijah said, it's not going to rain anymore. You're not going to see the rain that can produce the fruit any longer. There's going to be a drought. And the only ones that are going to survive are the ones that God allows to survive because he knows and he numbers the days of the righteous. But at the end of that time, it's going to rain more than you're going to be able to handle. And so at the end of the drought, Elijah sat on a hill And he sent a messenger, and he said, do you see anything? And the messenger came back, I see nothing. Do you see anything? He sends him again, I see nothing. Six times he sends him, do you see anything? The messenger says, on the seventh time, I see a cloud the size of a hand of a man. And Elijah begins to prophesy, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. It's going to rain on the just and the unjust, and the presence of God is not going to be a respecter of people. Elijah knew that something was coming even though he couldn't see it. He understood that the struggle represented the Savior who was on his way and although he couldn't grow over the weariness of the foot soldiers in that moment the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 46 that when the rain came the Lord gave Elijah special strength. He tucked his cloak in. He zipped up everything that he had he tightened his belt he stood back in position and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot that means that Elijah because God came upon him and God gave him special strength was able to not only contend with the foot soldiers of the day but to run with the horses that were on the way I'm closing I can't do this every week. I forgot to tell you the end of the story. My bride, because of relationship, which by the way, you might want to write this down, your revelation always comes through relationship. If you don't have relationship, you don't get revelation. If John didn't have relationship with Jesus, we don't have the book of Revelation now. But because he had relationship, he got revelation. He wrote it down, and now we have revelation. But if we don't have relationship with him, we don't get the revelation that he had. You don't get revelation without relationship. So if you want revelation, start growing in relationship. Meet people. Grow closer to God together. 
That's what he's called us to. So, so we have this relationship. This relationship just so happens to be with the dean of the college. See, God doesn't need footmen when you've got favor. You just got to believe more and have more faith in the favor than you do in the footman. And so God takes this thing that we're worried about, and I'm, thinking, I'm talking spend some time worrying about, and he puts the dean of the college in our path. And the dean of the college decides to give Megan not one degree but two. He decides that in the meantime, because she's got enough credits, he can make it work to where he'll give her a general studies degree. And she can go to work and she can receive that temporary certification. And she has more time to pass. See, you thought you were out of time. You thought that you were done in the past. And God said, if you'll develop the relationship that'll give you the favor, he'll receive, he'll help you receive a revelation that will extend your time because he's not bound by the things that he created. And one of those things is time. And so when relationship came in and favor began to reveal itself, she received that general studies degree, which gave her more time to pass that test, to receive the early childhood development degree that she hasn't used for the past 10 years. And all of a sudden, she thought, God, why did you make me spend all that money and do all that work? But just a couple of weeks ago, she was sitting in a conference and God said, I want you to start a school. And she said, I think you're talking to somebody else. And he said, no, baby, I've been preparing you for a decade. You've been dealing with some footmen, but you're about to start running with some horses. Hey, Chris, by the way, I know you wanted to be an attorney and a professional athlete and make a whole lot of money, but I got something else for you to do. I'm going to send you to Eunice, and I'm going to build a church that will do more ministry than it's ever done before. And when you don't know what to do, but you know who you're doing it with, God will make a way when there seems to be no Can you praise him one time if you believe it today? He's calling you to run. Catch up and make up for lost time. He's turning your best works into works of grace that will impact eternity in 2021 no matter what happens to the economy he's doing his business despite what happens to yours and when you learn to contend with the footman he'll help you in a special strength kind of presence to outrun not just not just run with but to outrun every horse in the natural or the supernatural see i know according to this book there's four on the way but i'm gonna outrun them i'm telling you i'm gonna outrun every horse that god sends i'm gonna outrun every footman that he sends my way because he's got a plan and he's got an objective and i already have his revelation because i'm walking in relationship it's who he is and it's what he can do specifically in such a time as this so run and don't grow weary run so that you can have the peace of God in the middle of the storm you don't need to get to the other side when Jesus is in the boat come on somebody you gotta understand that as long as you're with him it doesn't matter what the seas are doing God can take a wall and turn it into a ramp he can take a log jam and turn it into a way to get across to the other side God can do in the supernatural what you can't even see in the natural will you bow your head and close your eyes with me before I die <laughs> this is how I preach when I only have to do it once <laughs> come on you begin to go before God I don't have to tell you to connect with your father what are your horsemen what are your foot soldiers what are the temporary things that are causing you to be weary 
Fear not. I've overcome the world. Put it at his feet and let his blood drip on it for a minute. Watch it resurrect into something that you couldn't believe, that you couldn't see. Is it unforgiveness? That's a foot soldier. Bitterness, anxiety, that's a foot soldier. Come on, is it an addiction? That's a foot soldier. For a holy God, come on, crush the head of that serpent. Are your finances wearying you? That's a foot soldier. Begin to give as God tells you to. And let him begin to reveal himself as he wants to. Oh, Lord, I trust you. Prove it. Let God prove it. Is your marriage a foot soldier right now? Come on, give it to Jesus. Is your job a foot soldier? Your employer a foot soldier? Come on, what is it that's holding you back? If you're letting it hold you back, you better make sure it's eternal. You better make sure it's the hand of God holding you back. God, what is this supposed to be preparing me for? What are you getting ready to produce? If I don't get anything else right, help me keep walking. Step by step. Glory to glory. Do business with God. If you're confident of who you are in Christ, then I want you to start praying for somebody else. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place right now. God, I pray redemption. I pray that grace would abound even greater than sin right now. God, I pray for anybody in this room that's not walking with you, that's not following with you, following you. Lord, I pray for anybody in this room right now that needs to receive salvation for the first time, the first time in a long time. Move, Lord, in this place right now. Move, Holy Spirit, roam free. Come on, if that's you, I want to invite you to open your hands in your lap. With your eyes closed, I want you to look with your spiritual eyes and see the face of Jesus with arms wide open. See, you're not waiting on him. He's been waiting on you to come or to come back. Would you receive today this first step towards salvation? Would you confess with your mouth, surrender your life, follow him with all of your heart. If that's you, whether you're in the house or you're watching online, live or later, right now, open your hands. If you're driving, just open one hand. Church, I want to ask you to pray loud so that anybody that needs to pray this would have the confidence to pray out loud right now. Come on, let's say this together. Jesus, forgive me for being distracted, disobedient, discouraged, even doubting. I believe you gave your life so I could live for you and no one else. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You were raised from the dead so I could be born again. That's enough for me. If you never do anything else, you saved me. Take my life. Make it yours. Use me to impact eternity and build your kingdom in this time that I have left. May I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward in Jesus' name. Seal it in the Holy Spirit and praise him right now. Come on, somebody.